from the National Catholic Register. This is Register Radio, bringing light and clarity to the news and topics that affect your life. Pope Francis will travel to Budapest, Hungary this weekend for the closing of the International Eucharistic Congress. The Register and EWTN has been covering the Congress live, and Franciscan Missionary of the Word, Father John Paul Mary, joins me from Budapest. I'm Jeanette DeMello, Editor-in-Chief of the National Catholic Register, your host here on Register Radio. Uh, usually I'm joined by Matthew Bunsen, EWTN News Executive Editor and my co-host here on Register Radio, but he is also in Budapest for the International Eucharistic Congress, and he couldn't be with us for the show today. I'm delighted to have uh, Father John Palmieri back on Register Radio to tell us about his experience at the Congress. Also, though, after our break, we will be talking with Jennifer Roback-Morse from the Ruth Institute about a troubling back-to-school video issued by the Biden administration at the beginning of September. Uh, So stay tuned for that after uh, Father John Paul and I talk. Aside from the closing of the Eucharistic Congress this weekend, it's the 20th anniversary of the terrible attacks on September 11, 2001. And the register has been uh, remembering uh, this uh, terrible day um, in our coverage. And I invite our listeners to go to ncregister.com and to see Remembering 9-11. It's in the banner under our logo. And you can click on that and find register coverage of uh, 9-11 and how people are reflecting on it uh, 20 years later. Uh, Let's also pray for those whose lives were drastically changed that day uh, and for the ways they might uh, be continuing to suffer. Father John Paul, I am extremely grateful that uh, you can join us today. It's very late where you are, and it's only mid-afternoon for me, so thank you for being with us. It's great to be here, Jeanette. I'm happy just to have the opportunity to share uh, what's going on here in Budapest, Hungary, at the 52nd uh, International Eucharistic Congress. Right. So you and Matthew, uh, Matthew Bunsen, have been co-hosting EWTN's coverage of this 52nd International Congress. I mean, it's been going on for a long time, these congresses. Mm -hmm. Many popes have gone. Uh, Michael Warsaw wrote about this in his latest publisher's note. Uh, But for those who haven't seen this week's coverage or really haven't tuned into an International Eucharistic Congress, what happens at these events? Well, usually uh, a a conference that we usually go to is only about two or three days, but specifically Eucharistic Congresses have typically been an entire week long. And that's one of the things that uh, is striking to me. Um, First of all, the time and the effort that it takes to organize such an event and to see it actually um, concretized uh, mm-hmm. to you know, actually see the event unfolding as we as we're here um, and I just want to mention that we also are broadcasting in five different languages simultaneously EWTN so English Spanish German Polish and Hungarian Wow um, and we're all, we're all literally next to one another. So 
for us to be as an EWTN family, to be around employees from around the world, it really shows, and I wanted to share with our listening audience, truly how EWTN has grown. And I wanted to thank them for the support that they give EWTN, because without them, this would not be possible, really. Absolutely. And I I remembered seeing a part of the crew. I was in Birmingham last week, and I saw a part of the crew who was uh, planning to to go over. You guys were leaving uh, early in the morning to go (laughs) um, catch your your flights. And um, it it is really hard work, having gone to World Youth Day in Rio, uh, Brazil, several years ago with you and and watched... uh, you guys produce shows and, and host uh, and, and fill everyone in on what's happening. I saw just uh, firsthand just how intense those days are, how long they are. Uh, and, it, and you know what? This is a similar kind of event, right? It starts yes. with um, each day leading up to the big event on uh, the Eucharistic celebration with the Pope on Sunday, the, the 12th. Yes. It, you have catechesis, correct? Each day yes. there's a catechesis. Yes. So let me talk about that a little bit, kind of the structure of the day, uh, Jeanette, because uh, the structure is very important and it makes sense. uh, The structure of the day is, first of all, catechesis and catechesis is really uh, an unfolding of the faith. And catechesis comes from the Greek word uh, katekeho to to echo back. And that's exactly what catechesis is, is, is to echo back that, that which has been passed on to us through the teaching of the church. Uh, so it's more of a doctrinal teaching. Um, so that leads into a testimony. So mm-hmm. catechesis is more doctrinal. Testimony is more how that doctrine is lived out mm-hmm. in one's everyday experience. And then after the testimony leads to Holy Mass. So it doesn't make sense is uh, uh, catechesis, testimony, and then ultimately the worship of God. Uh, so it, it really does, um, every day, the culmination of the day is the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. And I have to say how beautiful it is to be around so many cultures. Um, and one thing that I would like to say that is um, I, our, our audience at EWTN will uh, appreciate, I think, hopefully, is that the use of Latin, mm. because we, we use Latin often at EWTN. But when you come to an event such as this and you have people that speak all kinds of different languages, when you hear Latin in the liturgy, everybody wakes up. Sure. Everybody somehow can participate. And, sure. and that really is, it really shows the universal language of the church. Absolutely. So the key parts of the Mass, you know those parts of the Mass when you hear that Latin, when you hear Sanctus, 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 you know, you know it. And, and that's, that's hugely important. I remember that from some of my own travels. Uh, and it's a, it's a beautiful way to stay connected in, in the universal language of the Church. Uh, I was looking up... Um, uh, I was looking up the publisher's note in Michael Warsaw's uh, 
uh, uh, writings of this week where he talks about, he quotes actually, the intentions or the aim of this gathering is to reinforce the faith, uh, knowledge, yes. and apologetics of ca- Catholic faithful. That's the whole point, right? So that they can consist- consistently live their Christian life and continue the good work, the good news of salvation. So it, it's you're totally right about catechesis, the, the truth of the faith, the doctrinal part of the faith, connecting with our lived experience, that testimony. Uh, and so, yes, you're totally right. The day makes sense. That's what the whole event is about. Uh, who comes to these events? Who's there with you? Who are the people from all over the world that you just mentioned? How many are there? And, and who are the people you are encountering? Well, there was a lot of people at Mass, the opening Mass. There were, it was filled. Uh, every chair was pretty much filled. Um, and there were people... Uh, in the streets and going back uh, the street um, in Hero Square. And I would guess that it was probably over three, 4,000 people or maybe mm-hmm. maybe more. It's, it's hard. I, I'm, I'm not very good with numbers. Sure. Um, it's but, like the jelly but, bean but I, game, right? The jar and the jelly yeah. beans. I get it. <laughs> it's, always, it's always hard to f- kind of figure out how many people are, are there. But... What, what was interesting is every time during the coverage, I would look back at the very beginning. I'm like, gosh, not that many people are showing up. I, I was kind of disappointed. And every time I look back, it was like it's it getting more and more full. Right. Um, so well, they do we, expect a lot of people to be there for the papal visit, though. I, I think people usually come out for uh, the Pope's visit whenever he visits. I would venture to say that that's going to, going to be the biggest event uh, is on uh, Sunday when the Pope comes. Okay, yeah, that totally makes sense. And and I should have yeah. mentioned that this is a an event that was postponed. Uh, it was it was supposed to be last summer. Uh, but of course, because of the COVID pandemic uh, worldwide, it had to be postponed. And and really, you're still faced with the challenges of a pandemic environment, and and that I'm sure has hindered the attendance as well. And and uh, and it made it even harder for our team to get there, of course. And so uh, we have to commend everyone who's made it uh, there, despite uh, the pandemic. Uh, you had mentioned to me when we chatted a little bit about um, the, the coverage that you had the opportunity. Uh, you've you've covered each of these catechesis, but you had the opportunity to speak to Archbishop Charles Bow. Uh, yes, and you said you just comment on on how blessed that conversation was. What was the message that he had to share? He's a great man, first of all, and just the joy that that man um, conveyed in his talk. Um, beforehand, we had the his talk in hand. So looking at how long it was going to be, um, <laughs> I was like, "Wow, like this is going to be long." But the 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 theme of the talk of of today's um, day was was patience. So every single day was the first day was goodness, peace. Second day today was patience. So he kind of joked a couple times during his talk about, thank you for being so patient with me. But to be honest, like he, he had a very substantial talk. There was catechesis involved, but there was also personal testimony and witness. And he gave uh, some very, um, you know, kind of interesting 
I can't really enumerate in here because I don't have the time, but kind of 10 commandments on living Mm -hmm. a patient life. Um, And it was just fascinating. And one of the the first one is, Johnette, be patient with yourself. (laughs) Be patient with yourself. And I was like, I need to hear that. (laughs) I need to hear that. Thank you. (laughs) So many people are like, we're not patient with ourselves. Um, oftentimes we set the bar too high for ourselves. And especially, I think during the pandemic, he said he, he called, he called COVID an irritating teacher in patience. Absolutely. <laughs> um, oh my gosh. It, right. It, it, for everybody, everybody we've experienced this irritating teacher of COVID, uh, in the past 18, 19 months, really. And, um, and it's taught a lot of people just, you know, to live in the present moment, you know, to be patient and, Absolutely. and to be patient means to bear one's sufferings. Well, that's where the word comes from, uh, from the original Latin, uh, etymology is, um, long suffering. Absolutely. Well, I was thinking, I watched the catechesis today, and you uh, spoke mm-hmm. to Archbishop Lacroix of Quebec, uh, and that's who gave the catechesis, and it was all about peace. Another message yeah. so greatly needed today, and of course, we're speaking on the the, the birthday of our, our Mother Mary, and uh, and the readings are all about peace. And so it was beautiful to listen and tune in to that uh, catechesis of peace, which again is so needed in this um, polarized and, and challenged environment, especially around coronavirus. Uh, I did want to turn to something um, very lighthearted, uh, Father John Paul. Uh, about a month ago, I saw, uh, because somebody sent it to me, this wonderful video of you skateboarding again and uh, you and I are the same age and and I grew up with skateboarding friends and that was that would have been you way back in the day Um, but you returned to the skateboard and you've even been skateboarding there in Hungary how has this gone over oh my gosh Uh, well first of all I brought my skateboard to Hungary and I started skateboarding again because I watched the Olympics this year. And for the first time in Olympic history, skateboarding has been in the Olympic sport this year. And in watching it, it just, I have to tell you, Janet, it just ignited within me this, just this 15, 16, 17-year-old kid again. (laughs) (laughs) That, That just, I mean, I spent hours every day skateboarding. And I ended up getting in touch with this company called Motherboards, and they have these boards that have holy graphics rather mm-hmm. than the d- demonic, uh, satanic almost sometimes graphics that are on some boards. Uh, my board has the Lamb of God on it, and it has a symbol of the Eucharist. So I didn't really kind of connect that until I came over here at the Eucharistic Congress, and I brought a Eucharistic board over here. <laughs> nice. So... So it was really interesting. Like I've had a lot of people, the conversations that I've had on the way over here, on the plane, uh, in the airport, uh, all over the Congress. It's like, I mean, I used to think that I get a lot of looks and stares wearing my habit, but the combination of wearing my habit and that with board, a skateboard. <laughs> but the right. skateboard, the skate, the skateboard. I have to say, like some and some. One of the our employees, I think, mentioned this to me, and it kind of just makes me maybe a little bit more approachable. Um, 
Absolutely. It, it just they see the skateboard and they think, wow, like, and that's the first question. You skate? I'm like, yeah, yeah. I I have a skateboard in the back in my backpack. Yeah. Um, it's and I wonderful. I used to skate 25 years ago, and now, why not? I mean, I'm not as good as I once was, but at least I can still stand on the board and, you know, have a good... <laughs> it brings me a lot of joy, I have to tell you. I love talking about it. <laughs> right. Well, you know, I, I, I again, I go back to what you said about catechesis, so informing our minds and, uh, and then allowing uh, what we have learned uh, to become testimony in our lives. And in, in a way, you know, this is some way for you to touch people and to provide your own testimony. And that's beautiful. All of us need some way of sharing our joy, even if it happens to be about around things uh, like skateboarding and Jesus at the same time. <laughs> um, sure. that's, that's the way when we share that joy that we are able uh, to share the truth of, of Jesus and the truth of the Eucharist. Father John Paul, I am going to let you go because I know it's past 10 <laughs> where you are. And I, I just, I'm just so appreciative of the work that you're doing and that you have let us uh, here on Register Radio uh, be a part of it. I'm happy to uh, help you out anytime, Jeanette. It's always a privilege to be on Register Radio. Thank you. Sure, and I'm going to point everyone back to ncregister.com where you can read uh, Michael Warsaw's publisher's note, Rekindling Eucharistic Belief, and tune in to EWTN where you can watch the Beatification Mass of Cardinal Stefan Wyszynski and Mother Elisabetta Rosa Kazaka. Uh, the two people who received miracles uh, from those who are going to be beatified will be there present at the Mass, and it's going to be a beautiful Mass celebrated by Pope Francis. When we come back, we'll be talking to Dr. Jennifer Roback Morris about the Biden administration's LGBTQ agenda and a back to school message. This is Register Radio on EWTN. Stay tuned for more. In these uncertain times, Catholics depend on EWTN's National Catholic Register. The Register is so much more than a newspaper. It's your faith, your life, your source of information and spiritual resources. The Register is uplifting, redemptive journalism, interviews with Catholic leaders and newsmakers, liturgical coverage, health, financial and political topics, and analysis of the key issues you care most about. EWTN's National Catholic Register covers every aspect of the Catholic faith that impacts your world. To get six free issues, order online at ncregister.com forward slash radio or call 800-421-3230 and mention code radio. That's ncregister.com forward slash radio or call 800-421-3230 and mention code radio. The National Catholic Register. Read faithfully. Let's return to Register Radio on EWTN. Welcome back. I'm Jeanette DeMello, Editor-in-Chief of the National Catholic Register and your host here on Register Radio. And we are joined today by a familiar guest, Jennifer Roback-Morse, who 
is on every so often, but writes very regularly at ncregister.com, and we are grateful for that. She is uh, the founder of the Ruth Institute, and recently she wrote at the Register about a very disturbing video uh, that was put out by the Biden administration, uh, specifically the Department of Justice and the Civil Rights Unit of the Department of Justice. Uh, Dr. Morris, I'm going to let you explain uh, this uh, crazy video that was put out. Uh, Welcome back to Register Radio. Well, thanks for having me back on. I'm happy to talk to you about the latest craziness from the fronts of the sexual revolution. Absolutely, and that <laughs> certainly is what this is. I mean, you would expect this video to be a kind of, first of all, from the Department of Education, a welcome back to school right after a crazy pandemic year, but that's not what we got. What did we get? No, no, no. What you've got here is something produced by the Department of Justice with three people speaking on it, one who is from the Department of Education, the Civil Rights Division of the Department of Education, then somebody who um, is with the Department of Justice proper, um, and then the, um, what is it, the, the Assistant Secretary of Health and Human Services, who is a man who says he's a woman, um, Richard Levine, Dr. Richard Levine, who now calls himself Dr. Rachel Levine. So these three individuals created a video that is that looks very harmless at first, you know, there's a smiling woman saying, welcome back to school, should be a welcoming place, and I hope you're all comfortable and everything, but, but for some of you that might not be the case. Um, and what they do is basically speak directly and exclusively to children who have a transgender identity, who have in some way adopted a transgender identity, and the video tells them the federal government has your back. And if people don't do things, they almost literally say this, not quite literally, but in my article I link to this video so people can see it, Um, judge for yourself. They basically say if things don't go the way you want to, you can file a complaint against your school. And here's where you can go to file a complaint against your school. Okay, so yeah, it's a very disturbing video. Disturbing is not, uh, is, is not really quite strong enough, you know. I mean, it's basically uh, the federal government putting itself between children and their own communities and saying that your transgender identity is so important that we're gonna defend it uh, against the people who actually are there and who know you and who probably care about you. Dr. Morris, I attended the Ruth Institute Summit uh, this year, just just a couple months ago, and and really this touches upon uh, many of the topics that you uh, and and the wonderful lineup of of professionals that you brought together. They spoke about the ways that this uh, transgender movement is is really challenging the professions. Uh, what are some of the gems that you heard from the people you gathered at the, that uh, summit uh, that kind of applies to this situation? Well, we had a number of people at that summit who had expertise in the whole transgender issue. And the reason we did that is that we, we rolled out a pamphlet for sidewalk counselors, pro-life sidewalk counselors to use when a trans-minded patient walks past them and goes to the Planned Parenthood to get their hormone therapy. See, that's a new thing. You probably know that. Your readers mm-hmm. probably know that. Um, and so your, your typical pro-life sidewalk counselor is not really equipped to deal with that. So we were trying to uh, bring together people who could help them be equipped to deal with that. And one of the people we brought was a, a man named Walter Heyer. 
who lived as a woman for a number of years and left the transgender lifestyle and basically came to the conclusion that all the surgery and all the things he was trying to do did not solve his problem. He had underlying psychological issues that nobody ever diagnosed, nobody even tried to diagnose. Um, and I would say one of the gems of the conference was his statement where he said, listen, when the sperm meets the egg, boom, it's game over. You are now the sex that you're going to be for life. You can change your appearance, but you cannot change your sex. Game over. You're a boy, you're a girl, that's that, you know. And, you know, we needed to hear that. We needed to hear that very refreshing, um, clear statement of what is really at stake here. I also, though, I thought in that conference, people also needed to hear others who had experienced uh, the the dysphoria that um, yes. people like Walter and others who were there had experienced, whether young, young in their lives or in you know their their twenties, and when the confusion entered, and and they felt that they needed to be the opposite sex, and they tried that, and you know they w people needed to hear those who have experienced this dysphoria and have found their way through it, and I think that's what's missing in these kind of of videos, which are basically propaganda and an invitation for lawsuits. I mean, how can an invitation to a lawsuit really bring, uh, uh, you know, bring about the change that is needed, except by complete force? Really, I mean, that's what's happening here. Well, y yes, you know, Walt Heyer had underlying mental health issues. He had a personality disorder. He had been sexually assaulted as a child. You know, these are things that led him to think that, he, gosh, I'm not comfortable in my own body. Maybe if I become a girl, it'll all be good, you know, um, and then lived through the experience that it didn't help. There was another, uh, there was a woman at our, um, at our program who had been sexually assaulted when she was a little girl. She and her brother uh, were walking home from school and two men assaulted them. She was sexually assaulted, her brother was not. So in her little six-year-old mind, she concluded, ah, I am going to be a boy because if I am a boy, I will be safe. Okay, that's the thought process of a six-year-old. That's magical thinking, right? And, um, and, and yet this is the age when parents are saying, oh, my son is really a daughter, you know, and the professions, many people in the professions are, are jumping on board this, this bandwagon, uh, which has a lot of money involved in it, by the way. Right. Um, they're jumping on this bandwagon uh, to say, oh, well, you know, if he's chosen this type of toy, maybe he really is a girl, you know, that, that, that kind of very shallow thinking and very um, re refusal to look at some of the deeper underlying causes of why somebody might be uncomfortable in their body, you know, and, and so I, I think that what, what we were able to bring together at the, uh, among the professionals who are committed to the science of the human person, which is that we're a male-female dichotomous species. This is how our species reproduces. We're male or female, unless you have a disorder of sexual development, in which case you're going to be sterile. You're not going to be able to reproduce. It's an actual medical uh, condition. It's not dysphoria. Dysphoria is a psychological discomfort whose source needs to be examined. Why is this child uncomfortable? What is going on in their environment, in their minds, in their world? What's going on right. that's leading them to think they were born in the wrong body? You know, as, as our friend Aaron Brewer put it, 
you know, the idea that you were born in the wrong body, that's actually quite a scary thought for a little child, you know, to, right. to think of that. Right, and I want to send people to where they can get this material that you uh, put together in this wonderful uh, group of people, professionals, both psychological and uh, in the psychological profession and the medical profession. Uh, you can go to www.ruthinstitute.org, and there you can find the information about their summit that was held this summer, the Summit 2021, and, and learn more about this important topic and how the professions have been corrupted around this important topic. As always, uh, Dr. Morris, I'm, I'm so grateful for what you do at the register. Your latest piece is called U.S. Government Sends a Not-So-Friendly Back-to-School Message. That's at ncregister.com. Thanks for joining us, Dr. Morris. I'm so glad to do it. Thanks anytime, Jodan. Remember, for more news, analysis, and commentary, check out the National Catholic Register online at ncregister.com. Thanks for joining us here on Register Radio. Uh, for my producer, Jeff Burson, and for myself, I'm Jeanette DeMello. Until next week, God bless you.